live from the DraftKings Sportsbook and Wild Rose Studio. This is Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Two, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Trent and I take you until noon. Zubin Mahente coming up here in about, oh, 15 or 20 minutes. We'll talk to our friend Zubin, go around the world of sports. Uh, we're waiting on Chuck Hartlieb to uh, get his schedule freed up so he can join us. Hopefully we'll uh, be able to pull that one off. There has been some news since we left our number one and proceeded to our number two. Uh, the Wisconsin uh, game versus Purdue has now been put in the no contest category, canceled. Uh, Saturday's game, uh, football activities remain paused. Total of 27 active cases uh, within the football program. Active cases include 15 student athletes and 12 staff members. Uh, so now the Nebraska game off the ch- uh, off. Purdue game is off. That's a six-game schedule for the favorite to win the West. Uh-huh. We shall see. All right, let's get Chuck Hartley in here. He joins us as advertised. Chuck Trenton, Ken, thank you for coming on. How are you, Chuck Hartley? Good to talk to you. Thanks for having me on. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Appreciate this. Uh, how about Wisconsin, right? Back-to-back weeks now that the virus has taken them out of commission, the Nebraska game last week and the uh, Purdue game this week for the favorite, I think, in most people's mind to win the Big Ten West. Uh, but just unfortunate circumstances, and it's the world we're living in, Chuck, as you well know. Well, we've got a little connection over there with Barry Alvarez. And yes. He's got a great Hawkeye background. I feel sorry because... He uh, probably was as instrumental as, as anyone in the Big Ten in getting this thing done, at least getting the players on the field. And for his university, his team to be hurt this way, just doesn't seem fair because I think he was uh, tremendously impactful in, in getting the Big Ten back. It just it stinks for them, and yeah. uh, um, hopefully... You know, you want everybody to play. Hopefully they'll be able to get back on their feet and get the six games in. No doubt. Um, Iowa, in just a second, I'm just curious, you know, along Wisconsin, I don't know what you were doing Friday, opening night of the Big Ten season. Did you see Graham Mertz at all? Did And if so, what did you th- I mean? The, the statistics just jump off the page, right? He missed one to throw for crying out loud. Did you see him? And if so, uh, what what did you think? Yeah, I've, I've followed Mertz for a while because the uh, I'm kind of, my niece is uh, – Married to the quarterback coach at Wisconsin, so I, I follow that background a little bit. Know what's going on in the program, and I know they're very high on him. They like him a lot. Um, he looked great. It was a great opening debut, and wow. uh, you know I, the one thing I look at, and you can kind of talk about you know Iowa the last couple of weeks in the same vein is you know they they had guys running all over the field wide open. Uh, he didn't have a ton of tough throws to make. When you got you know Ferguson going down the seam and there's no one within five yards of him. Mm-hmm. That's not always the hardest throw in the world to make. So, you know, the other piece to that program is they just have a great run-pass balance always. And uh, they had Illinois off guard the whole night. And, you know, I think they out-schemed them just as much as they outplayed them. Well, Chuck, let's get into quarterback play with the Iowa Hawkeyes. You man that spot for a number of years back in the 80s. And 
Looking at the new guy, Spencer Petras, just first an overview, a lot of buzz about this guy coming into the season, talking about certainly has a live arm and a different kind of personality than we saw lately with Nate Stanley taking over the spot and doing it as a redshirt sophomore. Your thoughts two games in. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, all that stuff is really important and uh, um, all the prep and the, the 6-4 and great arm, et cetera. But you know, at the end of the day, it's you either get it done on Saturday or you don't. And uh, there's plenty of guys that play great Monday to Friday and then you just never know what you're going to see on Saturday. And you know, I think all the potential is there for him. Um, I think he looks like he's got a great head on the shoulder, um, super arm, good size. Um, maybe even a little bit better feed, although I wouldn't say he's necessarily really mobile. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to make plays. And uh, i got to make enough plays to win and um, a little slow out of the gate there. And I thought, you know, on Saturday he looked a little uncomfortable. I, I think he, you know, looked, I don't know if it would be nerves or uh, Northwestern had him confused or maybe give him the benefit of the doubt and say the wind was pretty uh, – um, significance and took a lot of their package away, which is very, very possible. But um, thought maybe he took a little step backwards on uh, Saturday, um, and you know, hopefully, you know, he's getting some of the old cobwebs out for not playing for a couple of years, and he can get back on track this weekend. Uh, when you see that, Chuck, and, and a lot of his throws, seemingly to me, watching the game, where he's throwing the ball high, right? He's, his receivers got to go up for it, or he's overthrowing guys. What What's that a product of? Is that mechanics? Is that nerves? Or is that something that's um, coaching? What what? How Did you notice the same thing, first of all? And if so, how does he correct it? Yeah, definitely. I, I Again, I, I just think he needed to calm down. I, I thought he played tight and... Uh, I don't think you're following through as much. And I think that as I see him, I, it does seem like he's he's steering the ball a little bit, aiming it, and not following through as well. I don't know if his his uh, footwork is as strong as it could be right now. So um, I think it's all of the above. And uh, I, you just got to play with confidence. You just got to go out there and believe. And, you know, probably goes back a little bit to my earlier comments where, you know, part of the burden just uh, falls on the overall uh, offensive scheme and packages there weren't a lot of guys running wide open um, downfield. And, you know, these guys, Northwestern, want to stop, wants to stop the run first, and uh, they've got seven or eight up. And we've got to get guys open downfield. Um, you know, we had a lot of 10-yard curls to Laporta, I thought, and then mm-hmm. Rigani would run a 10-yard curl. Um, didn't just have crossers just at five yards or crossers at 15 to 20 yards or, you know, I just need to diversify a little bit more and, and give him a chance to build some confidence by having some guys wide open by out scheming them, and uh, you know then the, the guy can kind of just feel more comfortable about himself. But he never, I, I didn't think, ever really get into a groove. And uh, you know he's going to put some of that on his lap. Some of it's on the running game struggling, and then you know some of it's just on the offensive package and, and needing to get guys open downfield. Former Hawkeye quarterback Chuck Hartlieb joining us here. It's Miller and Condon on KXNO. Chuck, with that, go hand-in-hand with the velocity that we saw. Not a whole lot of touch. Seems like everything's coming out with the fastball. The overthrows. You mentioned footwork. How big of that is being too amped up? How much of that is footwork? Because seems like, boy, just a ton of those passes weren't even close, and they were 5, 10 yards over the receiver's head. Again, I'd like to have been there just to just to get a feel for the win because if it was significant, that's exactly what would happen: is, is the ball would raise on you, 
um, your touch would be a little bit more challenged. Maybe that's why um, Brian and Kirk didn't want to go downfield too much. Maybe they just felt like that 40-yard fade route or a, a post route would be too difficult just with the way the wind was playing the game. But, you know, typically when you're nervous or when you're, when you're tight, you're going to overstride, and overstriding releases, releases the ball high. And so, you know, it's, it, it is footwork. It is overall mechanics. But where does that come from? It comes from not feeling comfortable. It comes from some nerves. And, you know, I thought he made a lot of great throws against Purdue. He had probably left three or four out there against Purdue. And, you know, this is just one game. It's early. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, there's a lot of odd things happening this season. It will continue. And, you know, get it behind you. Uh, build a solid base off of Michigan State, and we'll be fine. It'll be really interesting to see which direction he goes this weekend. Uh, the run-pass ratio, I mean, only they ran the ball 23 times, threw it 50, second start of his career, and Kirk said after the game that, that, uh, uh, that that's something that they, obviously they weren't, he, he wasn't real happy seemingly uh, with, with Brian's with, uh, calling for the ball to be put in the air 50 times. You ever throw the ball that many times, Chuck, in a game? <laughs> I was able to repeat that one. I think we had 60. I still think we might have the school record at, at 60. So Against Indiana? Fun. Yeah. Yeah, was it really? Uh-huh. I remember that 60. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, nobody wants that. You want to have balance because if you can have balance, then yeah. it makes your passing game more successful. And, you know, I think what they were telling you is they just lost confidence, one and two. You know, Pat Fitzgerald has, has said it for years. Yeah, I think he understands a lot of things that we're trying to do offensively, mm-hmm. and that front seven was very keyed into our running game. Uh, our running game just clearly struggled, and again, some some um, schemes we match up better than most, um, or, or we, we do well against. And you know, Northwestern and Wisconsin and the Big West, we've always struggled with them uh, with their defensive packages. They're great from a run defense standpoint against us, and. It was the same old deal um, on Saturday as Northwestern had our number run uh, from a run defensive standpoint. I was been very effective running the ball out of shotgun, and as we see the evolution of football, Nick Saban evolved and changed what he did offensively, even with all the great success that he have. Is it time not to completely scrap what Iowa does and their identity of what they are, but continue to evolve? Can can Iowa win at the highest level? Can they win a Big Ten championship? playing the way that they currently are? Well, there's your million-dollar question, and I uh-huh. think it's very fair of you to ask. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to dance around that one a little <laughs> bit. I, I think that, uh, you know, we've got everything in place from uh, facilities, support, um, tradition. We've got everything to win the Big Ten West just as much as any other um, team. And, um, you know, I I think a lot of times um, we're right there, um, especially defensively. I think Phil Parker's done a tremendous job, and uh, you know, just offensively, we've struggled at times. And so, let's see how you know we we were. I thought kind of turning the corner um, offensively last year and getting a lot of good things going on. Our skilled players are as good as they've ever been. And um, again, I, I think it's, it's a little bit too really early to draw conclusions like that or discuss that because it's only two games into a really rocky season from a preparation standpoint and if we can just build on this you know and go five and three um which i still think is possible um you know things are going to be fine and i think that's as good of an outcome and a realistic outcome as well but you know trent if we are sitting here and we're sitting about a two and six or three and five Mm -hmm. i think you ask a very legitimate question and 
I'd answer that question at that point in time, but not but not right now. Hmm. When you watch Sam Laporta play, of course, Iowa tight end you over the last uh, 20 years or so uh, with a couple of really good ones in uh, uh, in Kittle and obviously Noah Fance is carving out a nice career thus far in Denver and all the guys that have played over the last uh, couple of decades. When you watch Laporta, does he look like Hawkinson forgot to conclude at, uh, at Detroit? Does Laporta look as though he's the next one in line to join that group? What do you see in him? Yeah, no, I, you're you're dead on. Uh, you're dead on. I think he's got he's got great feet, um, good size. The height is awesome. I don't know about the hands. I mean, again, the wind and the velocity of that ball. I mean, let's let's evaluate his hands over the next couple of weeks because some of those were deflections off of his hands. And but no, he's. He, I'll bet you anything. He's a five to seven year NFL guy, and the tradition continues. And uh, you know, my only hope is that I think that's really where we're struggling a little bit is. We really like um, those two, three tight end packages. And I just don't think we have the depth of tight end that we've had in the past. And so it's not just about the number one guy in our offense at tight end, but we, we really like to have two or three guys at the same time. And, and Bayer, just, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to be in the NFL. Right. Uh, we, we, need, we need studs at tight end. So these recruits coming in, somebody else underneath him has got to step up because the Porta is is as good as we're going to have. I mean, I'm not saying he's fan, but he's an NFL kid, just like Linderbaum is and Jackson is. We've got NFL players. We just need a little bit more depth at the tight end position. Chuck Noamir Smith-Marset this week, and maybe for a couple of weeks, we still await uh, the determination on that. He's a speedster on the outside, had a nice game, uh, at least catching the football in Week 2 against Northwestern. How much does that change the wide receiver group and what they can do when you look at that group as a whole? Don't have a guy now out of that group that looks like they can blow the top off. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I agree, but still, I, I think we have, we go four or five wide receivers deep. I, I think there's some other guys back there. And, again, it's not just about absolute speed. It's also about route running mm-hmm. and being crisp and – Again, out scheming them and doing a play action. And I mean, Tracy got behind coverage last year. Regani can get downfield. There's other guys on that team. I, I don't think that's a huge loss. I, I think uh, we still have the potential to get downfield. It's just got to out scheme and get, give a chance to some of these guys. And hopefully, Petrus can put it on the money. I and mean, we missed a post early to Brandon Smith against the Purdue game. I mean, he was two yeah. steps behind guys, and mm-hmm. we just got to make that play. So, no, I, I think we're fine there. I, I love our wide receivers. I think they're, they're top-notch, and uh, let's just hopefully give them a chance to make some plays this weekend. Uh, last thing for me, Chuck Hartley is our guest. Chuck, I know you've been away from the high school game for a while, uh, but do you know anything about Rocky Lombardi other than what we've seen on TV? Uh, he's a big kid, clearly. They threw the ball a ton down the field against Michigan last week to take on uh, that young secondary of the Wolverines. Do you know anything about the opposing quarterback this Saturday? You know, I've watched him a couple times, and uh, I think we all kind of knew um, just following him around Des Moines uh, at Valley. Um, you know, he's a big kid. You know, I, I was wrong. Um, I thought, you know, after a year or two, they'd move him to defensive end. I mean, with the wrestler background, and I mean, he's got kind of average feet, uh, and he's got a strong arm, but I think accuracy is lacking to, to a certain degree. Um, so I think it can be defended. Um, I think that you got to tip your hat to him, though, because some big wins like last weekend, but. Again, I, I think he's beatable. Um, I, I think it's admirable what he's done just because he's not a natural quarterback is what I'm saying. He's, he doesn't have the light feet. Um, accuracy can be an issue at times. And so, um, you know, I, I think Phil Parker, the one thing he's going to stress all weekend is what Michigan didn't do is 
just don't let them hit the fade routes. Don't let them go the post route. Make them put 10 to 12 play uh, drives together, which means he's got to complete three, four, five passes instead of just hitting the deep ball. So, you know, I, I think if we can do that, I think that's when he struggles a little bit, and that's what I think Rutgers did as well. And so we'll see if it's true or not. But, uh, um, yeah, I, I think it's uh, my, my hat's off to him for, for figuring out a way to start for Big Ten teams. So obviously he's got um, good talent, but uh, um, accuracy is an issue, and we'll see how that plays out Saturday. Well, we get a Valley Downing coming up this weekend again on Friday night in the quarterfinals trip to the Dome on the line. Saw it back in week two, Lombardia Valley guy. Your son, I remember going through the Downing system. Have you uh, had a chance to see the Maroons and any thoughts on the game Friday night? I, I'm gonna. I have not. I have not. I know that this isn't as as talented a team as Tom's had in the past, and I think that's probably fun for uh, the Dowling coaching staff because you know it challenges them more mm-hmm. to get uh, more out of the players that they have. They usually have a Division One player, two or three, and I don't know if there's that type of kid on this team. Um, but you know, I've heard it's a great uh, uh, group of kids, and uh, you know, I, I think Tom is up for a challenge like that when uh, you know. He doesn't have uh, the uh, Amara Darbos or the um, top-notch talent he's had in the past. So uh, it'll be a great uh, game. Swenson's staff is outstanding as well, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. So Wilson Swenson, two pretty big names colliding on Friday night. Uh, Chuck, thanks for doing this for us. We appreciate you uh, catching up with you uh, once or twice during the season, uh, this being no different. Thank you, Chuck Hartley. Take care, guys. Good, Bye. To, good to talk to you. Chuck Hartley, former Hawkeye quarterback, uh, as he gives us uh, his take on Spencer Petrus. All right, we'll take a timeout. Before we do that, however, Zuba Mahente is coming up from ESPN. It's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword FUN to 200-200. Right now, it's your chance to win 1000 bucks. FUN to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. I'm Hillary Condon with you until noon. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 14. 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. We supply the sports. The beer is up to you. 1460 AM, 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Ken Miller, Trent Condon, Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and now on 106.3 FM. This is KXNO. Miller and Condon, welcome back. Just about 11.30 on a Tuesday morning. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460. KXNO and 106.3 FM. Our thanks to Chuck Hartley, former Hawkeye quarterback, for helping us out. It's time for our friend Zubin Mahente. We go around the world of sports with Zubin. Zubin interviewed one of our Wednesday regulars last week, Trent Condon. Oh, yeah? He had Cappy on the program to talk about the White Sox hiring. Zubin joins us. Hello, Zubin. Trent and Ken, good to speak with you. How are you? Oh, same to you. Real quick, we had Cappy on. He was awesome. I asked Ken for a little background report, and he told me the guy's a pro's pro. He was awesome. He told us the last thing after he got off the air, the Sox will win a title before La Russa is done. we got another Iowa guy on the show tomorrow. It'll be the second time Nick Nurse is going to be on. I'll try to make sure I mention Carol and Storm Lake in the same sentence (laughs) to make sure we can get a little Iowa love. And i got to tell you, I was texting with Murph over the weekend, and I'm sure you guys know this, but I just texted him and told him what a great job he did with that high school contest. Trent, obviously, I know that's something near and dear to you. So next time you see Murph, tell him congrats on 30 years in Des Moines. This is his 30th year in Des Moines. Wow. Didn't know that. 
30 years. Did not know that. In this market and uh, has done a nice job. Yeah, you know I'll now. say. <laughs> oh, I'd say, yeah, I'll second that. Yeah, indeed. That, that's outstanding. Well, a lot of ground to cover with you here, Zubin. Um, I guess we should start in the NFL with the, with the one of your colleagues, Chris Mortensen, um, who reported last night on, on Monday Night Football that the league is at least on the back burner. And I think it's more contingency of as much as anything else, uh, adding an additional playoff team. If indeed there are more COVID positive, see the Broncos were just stricken. John Elway, of course, doesn't play anymore, sadly. And Joe Ellis, uh, they both, but the brain trust of the Broncos. Point being, Zubin, it's everywhere. Uh, if indeed, uh, it doesn't work out that we have to have a bunch of games canceled. Opposed to adding an additional week, they may add an additional playoff team. Your thoughts? I think it's fine to do it the way they did it. The NBA had a strange playoff setup. Major League Baseball did. This would clearly be a one-off. I think baseball is interested in expanding their playoff eventually. But I do think for that playoff system in the NFL, what's interesting is, remember, for 30 years, it was a dozen teams. From 1990 to 2010, uh, 2020, excuse me, from 1990 to 2020, it was a dozen teams, if you take into account 2019. Then this year is going to be 14, right? And so we might not even get the new playoff system implemented before we yeah. zoom right past it. And obviously, when you had 14 teams, only the top seeds would get a bye. Under this scenario, I would imagine that nobody would end up getting a bye because it would be the perfect one eight two seven three six four five. So I think there is something to be said for the fact that we're going from two byes to if the 14 teams uh, system stands in place, it would be one team in each conference getting a bye. But under this uh, situation that Chris had mentioned yesterday, it would be no buys. And obviously, I think a lot has to do with, like you said, COVID-19, testing safety. I think the other problem, guys, is, is as you get to the back half of the season, the bye weeks sort of disappear. Right. right? Teams right. are in the midst of their bye weeks now, but it's the, the more you get into the nitty-gritty, the final stretch of the regular season in the NFL, those bye weeks disappear. And then it's like, well, we can't really move the game to a bye week because there's none to be had. So I think this is something they're thinking about, and it's actually probably pretty smart to be thinking about it. You know, I saw some reports out there, ESPN trying to get involved for Sunday night football. You look at Monday night football Sunday this night week. Sunday night too? Yes. Wow. Uh, Patriots, Jets, not exactly the most glamorous spot there, but it's Monday night football. The schedule comes out beforehand, and you just don't know the way that the uh, things are going to play out. Not putting you on the spot by any means, Zubin, but just the package as a whole and the connection with the NFL, the importance to ESPN. They want to be involved in a big way ESPN does. How much does that dictate what you guys also do on the radio side, just knowing that the NFL ultimately is where your bread is buttered? Yeah, I'll give you I'll give you two quick things. I'll give you one my personal thought that has nothing to do with the company. This is just me as a consumer, as a viewer, as somebody like yourself that pays the bill every month and the way we're changing our viewing habits. But first I would just tell you that I'll take you really inside. The guy that uh, runs Mike Greenberg's television show is called Get Up. It airs at 8 a.m. Eastern on ESPN. He also runs our show. So he does our show for the first two hours, and then our final two hours go up against uh, his show. And he's basically told me under no uh, circumstances, he goes, listen, Here's the deal. The minute you stop talking about football is when the ratings change. And look, I love the NBA. You guys love college basketball. I love it too. Don't get me wrong. Tiger at the Masters is, you know, an outlier. We're going to talk about that. But NASCAR, tennis, golf, baseball, NBA, you name it. He said the second we start talking about anything that's not football, predominantly NFL, college does resonate, but it's only a handful of programs, not in your state per se, but across the country. Once we stop talking about football, our ratings begin to go down. Mm. This is why you don't see any celebrities or guys pitching movies on our air anymore. <laughs> because we quickly found out when the guys come on to do that, 
Nobody cares. People want football, football, and more football. So that would lead to my second point, which is to simply say right now, this is not a shocking statement, but considering sitcom watching is so down, considering there are shows on network television that get 2 million viewers a night. Look, when we were kids, Friend, we're about the same age. Mm-hmm. Seinfeld, ER, Cheers, 20 million plus a night. Those shows are now down to about 2 million a night on some of the major networks. The only thing that rates anymore is the National Football League. The Emmy Awards are an all-time low. All the award shows are tanking. The Big Bang Theory, some of these gigantic shows are no longer on the air. And the NFL is the only true product that can resonate with people across the country. 40% of the NFL fans are women. So this is the only thing. So in my opinion, as an employee of ESPN, I'd love to do more football. But if I'm running CBS, Fox, NBC, or ESPN, there is nothing more important than to the lifeblood of the channel. There is nothing more important to those four TV networks than the NFL. So if I were a betting man, I would say, well, I'd love for the NFL to be on ESPN. And the New York Post has been writing about it. If you're interested, just Google the New York Post, NFL, ESPN. While I would love to do more football, who wouldn't? I just think if I'm running these other networks, if you don't have football, I don't know what you have. <laughs> So I think from a self-preservation standpoint, if I was a gambling man, I would say everybody keeps whatever package they have and Thursday night gets to be a little bit in flux because that package has always been a little bit strange. But I just think for the lifeblood to keep some of these places going and to prop up all the other programming, you've got to be in the business of the NFL and that hook, line, and sinker. I don't think there's any way you can deviate from that. So let me ask you, Zubin, obviously um, Purdue, Wisconsin is now off this weekend as Wisconsin couldn't play last week, won't play this week, so they're down to a six-game schedule. But that game was supposed to be uh, parked right in the middle of the afternoon. ABC was supposed to have that game at 2.30. What do you think they're going to do with they basically, at this point, Almost, almost forced to simulcast one of the ESPN or the ESPN, Houston, Cincinnati on ESPN. ESPN two's got Kansas, Oklahoma. Would you just simulcast one over on ABC? Because you don't want to give up that time slot, I wouldn't think. Oh no, no, certainly. I, my guess is I'm certainly not in programming. Berkeley. Right, this is our big programming guy at ESPN. Um, I would say something would slide in there, and maybe we just slide up. Now, if I'm just spitballing. I think a lot of people would be surprised, you guys not so much, and college football fans in Iowa. I think if you told the average sports fan that Cincinnati is the number six team in the country, they would say, what? Mm. (laughs) And I think that may be a good opportunity if it's possible to move that to ABC. Obviously, you still have a regional window aspect. That could go into effect there. So my guess would be it would be a great opportunity to just slide a game in on up, especially if there's something to be said about that team that maybe America needs to know something about but that's obviously one of our prime windows and maybe there's obviously a situation where you just slide 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 the only issue with sliding of course is that you never want to slide the bottom game into a spot it shouldn't be right there's a reason every game is on a certain channel with regards to interest and viewership so maybe it's a situation where it goes down i know that so wisconsin news just came down here in the last little while i've been getting some alerts on my phone about it so i imagine it had broken here in the last several minutes. But that would be my guess. Maybe take an opportunity. Look, you know, Iowa State's been on ABC this year. There's a lot of interesting combinations that you could put out there for a national audience. And just off the top of my head without doing any real research, putting uh, a top 10 team on ABC if they're available to go may not be a bad idea, especially one that most of the country is unfamiliar with and might get familiar with. Zubin, in the Big Ten, your Rutgers uh, program has not had great heights. They get the upset win against Michigan State. 
and almost had the play of the year before it was ultimately called back. Zubin, were you watching that one live, and how disappointing to have that one taken off the board? That was tough. I was saying they were looking past Indiana to Ohio State. That was really the <laughs> thing about it. I could be, could be wrong about that when they play again this week. No, um, I think the real big – that play was amazing. Loved watching it. It was awesome. I kind of joked that, you know, on the field for uh, Rutgers, you should tell this to Sipple when you see him, on the field for Rutgers that day on that play was uh, bedroll. So yeah. apparently Nebraska did end up playing last Saturday. So you could tell ah, him that. Nice. It was fun we had. To, but I would say that um, – the real story, they're playing much better. They, they look a lot better with this guy, uh, Shiano. But I would also say the underrated story of the whole thing is Indiana. You know, I mean, they got Michigan this week. I mean, that would be quite a start to start mm-hmm. for you know, I heard Urban Meyer say last Saturday he thinks Indiana is the second-best team in the East. And right now, I'm not mm-hmm. sure I would argue that. Um, Coach knows what he's talking about. He used to work with us here. He's very good uh, to me personally. And I still like, you know, listening to his thoughts. Um, but he thinks Indiana's the second-best team. I think Coach Allen is one of the most underrated mm-hmm. coaches uh, in America. I think he's done an outstanding job. I think he's sort of like this year's version of Mark Stoops, like a guy that you're like, how in the world is <laughs> this good at a basketball school that he's been able to do it? I know Stoops has taken a little step back this year, but you know what I mean. They've generally overachieved. Um, but I think the real big story here is Indiana, what they're doing with this kid at quarterback that probably should have been at Tennessee. Think about it now, how badly Tennessee needs the QB. They could have had this kid. Um, so, to me, that's the big story. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I was surprised. I want to say Michigan is maybe like a three-point favorite in this game, but uh, I'm surprised to see that. But uh, I think as much as I loved watching Rutgers and seeing how more competitive they've become, I really think the bigger story that day was the opposition. They're, they're playing good football. Uh, Zubin, uh, speaking of odds and football players, uh, Tre- Trevor Lawrence no longer the Heisman favorite. Uh, Justin Fields has looked unbelievable. He's thrown seven incompletions in two games, and oh, by the way, seven touchdowns uh, in two games for them as well, which is just remarkable. Ohio State is loaded. But what about Mac Jones at Alabama? I, I don't think many people saw uh, his growth uh, from from last year when he played in a couple of games due to injury to what he's doing right now. He's been terrific. Uh, might uh, Mac Jones be the guy that uh, ultimately going to be uh, holding that statue uh, when we get around to that point? I like that this is in the discussion. We had a guy call us this morning on our show. And our, our poll question today was, who you want number one? If you could draft number one, Fields or Lawrence. And uh, a guy uh, called up, and when we had said that Trevor was taken off the board as the Heisman favorite, at least at the moment, in place of Jones, a guy just called up and said, what in the world has Mac Jones done? And that's amazing to think because this guy's a quarterback out of Alabama. What do you mean, what has he done? You know, <laughs> right. it's sort of like Ian Book. It's like this guy's got a number four Notre Dame team. He's a quarterback of number four Notre Dame, mm-hmm. and nobody knows anything about him. How could that be? I mean, how could nobody know about Alabama's quarterback and Notre Dame's quarterback? It's That's how much oxygen Trevor Lawrence has taken to his credit. He's earned every little bit of it. Yep. Justin Fields has started 15 games. Um, but I look at it and say the same thing with Book is the same thing with Jones. Remember, he was the other quarterback, and that's why he didn't get a lot of attention. But it makes it a great story. He's the other quarterback. Now, I think he is probably, at the start of the season, you would say, they like, got to the playoff with Coker. They got to the playoff with Sims. I mean, they could get to the playoff with mm-hmm. Mac Jones. But as the year has gone on, I don't think Mac Jones is any other quarterback. He was a four-star coming out of high school, but he was completely overshadowed by the rest of the quarterback room at Alabama. So I'm glad to see he's playing well. I'm glad to see he's getting his due. Um, you know, Tonga Bailoa, brother transferred. You can clearly tell he thought that Mac Jones is quite the player after his transfer. Uh, that says something in my mind. 
But I think it's very odd that many people are still unfamiliar with the quarterback of Alabama <laughs> and the Irish, considering what those two teams are doing this year. In previous years, that would be strange, right? It would. Hey, Zuba, we had a conversation out of your neck of the woods earlier in the program today. Jets, they get the number one pick, regardless of who's there, and Sam Darnold, you're taking Trevor Lawrence. If Justin Fields impresses throughout this season, goes to the combine, does the workouts, and he looks like the clear-cut number two, and the Giants have that pick, are they moving on from Daniel Jones after the second year and saying, Fields is our guy? Trent, i got to give you another plaudit here. We talked about that on the show as well. Today. Mm. And uh, it's one of those things where a lot of our analysts essentially said, you just you got to move on. I mean, yes, yeah. Daniel Jones has been there one and a half years. Yep. But we had Greg McElroy on there this morning, and we actually uh, kicked it off because if I'm not mistaken, uh, right now if you take a look at the draft order, we I just said to McElroy, and Greg does a really great job for us. I he said, does. He's I'm good. just going to tick off. I'm just going to tick off some teams that are right now number one in the draft order on down. And we just said Lawrence, but even though Fields is you know a pace back, we had Mel Kiper Jr. on today as well. He said, I don't want to make a choice right now. We said, let's go with Lawrence, and people seem to think it's him. And we said Jets. We said yes. Giants, you really hesitated because you've got to give up then on Daniel Jones. Redskins, by the way, are at seven. I mean, they could use a quarterback. You know who's also in there between those teams? The Cowboys. And what Oof. would you do there Oof. if he didn't have to pay Dak the franchise right. tag or give him a long-term deal? You could give Trevor a rookie contract, which is much more manageable these days, and you could have him as a younger player that's more healthy, that might have more potential. That was in the mix. As well, believe it or not, I believe the Dolphins have the fifth pick via Houston, even though the Dolphins have their guy. So that's kind of interesting. Oh, also sandwiched in that mix with Atlanta. So it's very juicy, mm. right? The Jets could use one. The Giants could use one. Are they moving on from Matt Ryan? Is Matt Ryan going to replace Jimmy G, reunite with Shanahan? What about the Washington football team? So I think it's a great point you raised, but I think it's just much more than both New York teams that are in play there. I think there's a lot of different teams that are in striking position to move on up if they want, and I would even throw Trey Lance into that discussion if you wanted to. Yeah, look at Jacksonville. They, they need a quarterback in the worst way, and right. they're they're right there in the hunt. It's going to be fascinating uh, to watch. You know what else is going to be fascinating? And I know it's going to be, I think we're three weeks away from seeing the first, one of my favorite shows of the fall. <laughs> Trent gives me crap about it all the time. I, I love the playoff show. I do. The, uh, when the uh, committee announces and the boys opine for an hour or so, I absorb each and every single minute of that program. Just love it but too it's going to be different this year right and i know that you've got some really good playoff people uh that follow this at, at espn look wisconsin they're going through trouble they might not get i don't know if that sounds right now they're they're going to play six games but COVID's going to be a factor in all of this at least we think uh notre dame and clemson this week no lawrence in the football game might the playoff be even more of an appointment of viewing once we do get to that first tuesday I agree. I think there's one positive and one small negative. The one small negative, and this I know ties in you guys, your favorite sports. I know Trent for you for sure. I know Ken, obviously you love hockey, but um, we're not going to get that playoff announcement um, at the half of the Champions Classic. It's just really too bad because of what's happened. Yeah. The Champions Classic, they're going to try to salvage it, but in years past they have announced it between both games and had the ranking show between Duke, Kansas, Kentucky, and the Spartans, and obviously that just doesn't appear like it's going to happen. I think they're going to try to salvage the Champions Classic and the Jimmy V in some way, but most of our MTEs or multi-team events from ESPN, as you probably know in Orlando, are done. So it's too bad because that was a great spectacle to watch college basketball and stop in the middle 
and get the playoff mm-hmm. rankings. That won't be the case. The one thing Heather did into our playoff insider, she was she's so good on Monday. She's the best. And she told me on the air, she told our crew two things. She said, one, you know, right now, think about it. This would actually be right around the time we'd be having our first playoff show. Yep. But because of the weird season, we're not going to have it here for nearly another month. You know, usually it's right around this time or slightly before that we get it. Second thing she said, and they're going to start to change the language. When the playoff format was put into place in 2014, the bylaws mentioned um, taking into account a player's injury or unavailability, generally because of things like suspension or discipline. But obviously, since we didn't have the coronavirus in 2014, it wasn't written in with exactly what Lawrence is missing time with. So it didn't say missing time with an ailment. It said missing time with an injury or missing time due to suspension or disciplinary reasons. So Bill Hancock, the executive director of the playoffs, has now amended some of the wording and eventually it's going to say a player availability because as strong as the bylaws are written, there was really nothing in there to take into account a pandemic, a prolonged illness, ailment, something of that sort. So just a little bit of a qualifier to throw in that when they do talk about evaluating teams without star players, they won't go to injury, suspension, or disciplinary. They're going to use the word availability because this is obviously something nobody could have foreseen back in 2014. Small distinction, but when you hear Clemson talked about, depending on what happens on Saturday or a possible rematch uh, in the ACC title game with Notre Dame, if it happens, just something to kind of keep in mind. How long did you practice the Clemson quarterback's name? Uyangalele? There you uh, go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's my job to know those things. Yeah. I will tell you, I watched, I watched Sean McDonough call a game and I just I said, McDonough says it this way. This is exactly the way I'm going to say it. So I just watched Sean say it, watched it over a couple times on YouTube and said, McDonough is about as good as it gets. If that's what he's saying, that's what I'm saying. Zubin, we'll talk to you in a week's time. Thank you, Zubin Mahente. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. Zubin Mahente, Trent and I going around. Well, we didn't go around the world of sports. We went around the football world football. of sports. It's not a bad thing to it do. It really isn't. We'll come back, finish things up. Don't forget, polls open till 9 tonight. Uh, if you haven't already done so, polls open till 9. Miller and Condon, till noon. One more segment to go. 1460 KXNO. You can set up an appointment. Condon, final couple of minutes here. Tuesday, Cappy's with us tomorrow. David Kaplan, more on the Bears with Cappy at 11.05. Stephen M. Sipple from uh, Lincoln Journal Star. Uh, part of the cast tomorrow on the radio program. So you had mentioned Jay Johnson at Michigan mm. State, and I think you did last week or anyways. I But I, what I didn't put together this is the guy that kept Kurt Warner on the bench. Yeah, till Warner's senior year, he could not beat out Jay Johnson. <laughs> How about that? Who was a great quarterback at UNI and had a ton of success and won a lot of games with the Panthers, but had a Hall of Famer just sitting just behind, sit behind him. him. Couldn't get on the field. You look at Johnson's numbers, though, you can see why. Yeah, Really, really successful guy there. But so you remember him playing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really good teams. Mm-hmm. Like Kenny Shad and company had just okay. some good receivers. I don't know, Diedrich Ward. I don't know if he was a part of those teams. Eras kind of start to... Come yeah, no, I, I hear you. Are they still on pace to play this spring, winter? They are, yeah. February? I saw something maybe on one of their Twitter accounts, uh, maybe just over the next last couple of days. So football's not going to end with the Super Bowl this year. All right. Yeah, good, right? Sounds good, good to me. Absolutely. Little Sounds Panthers good. who we'll see with opt outs and transfers. On paper, that was one of the best Farley teams, at least coming back into the year. 
Of course, that's behemoth in Fargo. Kind of changes the equation in the Missouri Valley Football yeah. Conference. But, yeah, they look to have a, a chance at a really good team. But we will see how that plays out. So, Just, nothing to bet on tonight. No, there's nothing. But, well, you know what? Legally. Legally. What I was going to say, kind of, because we like betting on the show, it's, le- it's illegal to bet on the presidential election in the country. About a half a billion dollars is going to be bet on the UK in, in the US presidential election. Should they change that? I don't know. It's, an it's measurable. Take it. Yes, it absolutely is. And it's a lot of tax money, you would think, on that big of a, that big of a uh, handle. Anyways, uh, voting polls are open until nine, to cli- uh, 9 tonight. Good luck to your candidates, whomever they are. Miller and Condon, thanks for being here. 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Travis Justice and Heather Burnside with Sean Roberts along for the ride. It's the Morning Rush on 1460 KXNO. And now on 